Hey, everyone. It's episode 19 of the More Math for More People podcast. It's January 25th, 2022. Cheers. Hello, I'm Joel. And I'm Misty. And this is More Math for More People, brought to you by CPM Educational Program. This podcast supports middle and high school teachers with best practices, relevant research, helpful hints and tips, and anything else that randomly comes to our minds. We hope you find this podcast both entertaining and informative for your math teaching practice. Boom. Joel, what day is it not today? It is not opposite day. It's not opposite day. This is going to a hard one. This is, yeah, I know. We're going to have a hard time talking about it not being opposite day. We're not going to talk about No, not at all day. for several minutes. <laughs> this is amongst my top two least favorite days in middle school. <laughs> well, what was the other day? Well, okay. I could say there may be three. I don't know when the, when the third one is. The other one is April Fool's Day. Oh, yeah. I always never appreciated April Fool's Day in middle school. (laughs) And I guess the other would probably be like backwards day or something, but I don't know when that is. But yeah, opposite day, not very much fun. I wasn't a big fan of pajama day. Pajama oh, well, day yeah, no, 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 yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of poo pooing on all the, things. but anyway, I'm a big Scrooge about days. So, uh, opposite day was always frustrating to me because, of course, I would be giving my kids directions and they'd be like, "Do you mean the opposite of what you are saying?" Like the whole time, and I'm like, "No, can I? I would make it very clear right now. I'm not participating in opposite day, and everything I say is exactly what I mean." <laughs> <laughs> but you're just setting yourself up because that means I, I am participating yeah, yeah, yeah. in opposite yeah. and <laughs> uh, it's imposs- the impossibilities. It's kind of like those uh, those math logic games, jokes are not jokes, but ever problems where mm-hmm. you like the people come from Liarville and some people come from Truthville yeah, and you have to decide right. which ones are the liars. <laughs> and I all I ever learned out of that is you should just ask people if they're a liar. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the one thing they can never say. So it was sort that's of, funny. or it was like, but if you ask them if they're a liar, they'll always say they're a truth teller. So you have to ask what someone else would say. I think mm-hmm. or something is the clue, the cue. There, the, I remember those the key to those, right? You have to ask yeah. what somebody else would say they were. Or I don't know. It gets way too confusing. I have to draw out a little diagram and everything. It'd be helpful if maybe they just gave opposite day as like a national holiday. So those who don't appreciate it would be safe at home. Or would they? Because they'd have to go to work. It's or opposite day. That's, that's right. Ah, it's just I so mean, off. Everything being, its, everything being its own opposite is quite mm-hmm. a metaphysical conundrum. It's not possible. Well, Or is it? I, I don't know. It's opposite day. <laughs> Oh, see already. Already I'm annoyed. I think of with maybe it could be for those who use algebra tiles and you have Mm -hmm. the expression mats and things, you could celebrate doing the opposite, Mm -hmm. you know, in the negative region. So we'll do the opposite of what it says. And that could just be an algebra tile celebration for those teaching math. Except would it be confusing because now they're the opposite of the opposites in the opposite region. (laughs) And really it's the positive region that's the opposite region now. I did always I that is I did always encourage my kids to call it the opposite region mm-hmm. or to say the opposite of x particularly instead of negative x 
Yeah. I mean, it was okay if they just said it, you know, I didn't like chide them or anything, but I, I usually tried to say it that way just to help with the confusion about negatives. Mm-hmm. And, did, and did it work? I don't or know. I, I guess I'd have to see oh. if my kids, I'd have to do some study to see if my kids That's had a better true. understanding than other kids. Well, Joel, what are you yeah. <laughs> not going to do to celebrate opposite day? I am not. Oh, this is a tough one. Because mm-hmm. in, in kind of looking at opposite day and how you celebrate, should I talk to people rudely or insult them to give compliments, things mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's my celebration. I'm not going to engage in opposite day activities. <laughs> Is that, I say that right? Wait. <laughs> You're not going to engage in opposite day activities. Which means I am? Which means you are going to engage... Well, that's the whole question is how many things do we change the opposite of also? In any one statement, do I make everything the opposite? Which mm-hmm. then that's just, then it's back to what it was at some point, right? It's like the yeah. opposite of the opposite is the same thing. So I was going to say that means you are going to engage in non-opposite day things, but then that was changing two things. So then that didn't seem right. So Right. You've really got me thinking. Here. I know. It's very confusing. <laughs> opposite day is just confusing, which is yeah. why we should just say, hello, it's opposite day. <laughs> really. And move on. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yes. Or is it? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Today, we're here with Mindy Karp. And Mindy, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of give a brief introduction of yourself and introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Mindy Karp, and I teach in San Diego, California, specifically in Poway at Poway High School. I've been teaching for 21 years, all in 20 of them here at Poway High. Super excited about being here today and sharing my experience with CPM. Um, we just adopted CPM six years ago. So. Okay. Little on the newer side. And I also was a CPM teacher leader for a couple years as well. Well, welcome. Excellent. Thank you. Well, six years, that's a that's a reasonable amount of time. That's mm-hmm. a, that's enough time to kind of get your feet in and get mm-hmm. them very wet and figure out what, what you want to do and not want to do. So tell us a little bit about how did your class look way back more than six years ago? How did your class look before you started teaching CPM? Yeah. So you'd walk into the classroom and there'd be desks in rows and, you know, spaced apart and it'd be very quiet. I always laugh about CPM. You walk into the classroom and it's weird if it's quiet now, like test days are the worst days because you're like, oh my gosh, no one's talking. And so it was just very traditional. You walked in, the desk, kids are, you know, very teacher focused up at the board doing example problems. Kids were not communicating in the way that they are now. Fast forward to our CPM classroom now, we now have tables and chairs. And so it looks different. It feels different. It sounds different. And like I said, the noise, I mean, (laughs) I remember the first day we started teaching. I'm like, oh my God, people are going to judge us. Why is it so loud in here? And you walk (laughs) around and you hear the conversation and you just kind of look and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, the kids are on task. And even when they're not on task, that's okay too, because they're still collaboratively working. So very different from six years ago to where we are today. 
Was that the first, I guess, change that you made? Did you just embrace it when you guys adopted CPM as far as you got them in groups or did it take a little while to get them in that nope. place? I mean, we went to that training and we're like, hey, at the time we didn't have the tables. We had the desks, mm-hmm. put them in the the pair, you know, in the four. And we just were like, okay, we're just going to try it. And I remember being terrified. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is going to happen? They're not going to say anything. How do we, how do we foster that environment of collaboration? And luckily it just, I mean, it was kind of magical. They just Mm -hmm. loved working together, conversations. I mean, like I said, shocking. I remember the first day, I'm like, how do they know what exponential means? What? Oh my gosh. Like just being pleasantly surprised. So I just love the way that it feels. Like to me, it just feels very homey when you walk into the classroom. And now we have pretty tables and chairs. (laughs) We've really embraced and our our whole team, integrated team has embraced that. And you're teaching at the high school level, is that right? I am integrated one and integrated two. And I think one of the things that we wanted to touch base with you on for sure is, so you have an an inclusive classroom, or I'm not sure how what your phrasing is for it, where you have special ed kids in Mm -hmm. your classroom also. Yeah, so we teach um, a co-taught class. So it's myself and my teaching partner, Lauren. We've co-taught for three years together an integrated one and integrated two. So we, I take all of our special ed kids and we collaborate actually three periods a day. So about mm-hmm. a third of the class, sometimes a little bit more, um, have IEPs and we do the homogeneous grouping. We don't pair low kids, high kids like that doesn't, those words are not even our vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest changes that we've seen is you can take a student with high functioning autism that doesn't really speak and they can still feel like an important part of their team. They Mm -hmm. have their role. They have their, you know, even if you have to give them a sentence starter. So that's something that we have, we've loved about the co-teaching model at our school. And we co-teach in several sections in integrated math. What do you think was maybe an aha moment for you when you started teaching CPM? So the aha moment, I mean, they happen every day. I am so impressed with the levels of conversation that they have in their teams. You know, we walk around yesterday, we're doing exponentials, and they're talking about decay and increasing and the shapes. And you're just, I mean, literally, sometimes I sit back and I'm like, is this is this really happening? And some of the kids that you're like, I don't know if they're getting it. It's not reflecting on their test, but they're getting it and they're talking and they're just embracing. And I feel like a lot of our students with IEPs, they feel included. They're part of a Mm -hmm. team. They're part of a team that's working together. Whereas before in a traditional classroom, they're all alone and they're Mm -hmm. not, you know, they're more afraid to ask questions. Now, They'll ask questions. They'll ask questions of their team. They'll ask questions of us. So literally the aha moments happen every single day. I'm super curious to hear more about how it seems like you have a, like things are going really well, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're very excited about where they are, how much they're talking. And I know a lot of times when I'm working with teachers in their first year, really struggling to like get the kids to talk and to get them to stay on task and to start doing that. How do you feel you were able to make that transition as well as you have? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say, I mean, it was challenging at the beginning. You know, you're like, I, you have this perfect model in your head of what you want it to look like. And not every day you're like, oh, why aren't they, why aren't they having the conversations? But a lot of it for us is the scaffolding. And for some of us, uh, like for some of our kids, it's those sentence starters and having them, you know, having those listed on their team folders or having a little posted on their desk. I think we just foster, I think in our classroom too, we foster this environment of it's okay to struggle. And we Mm -hmm. talk a lot about that productive struggle of we love celebrating mistakes. It's okay if you get them wrong. And so I think the way we 
when we started first talking about teams, every day we're talking about what makes a good effective team and what does it mean to be a good effective teammate. And so we're constantly revisiting that. And I think it's being consistent. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we don't have days where we, we no independent contractors in our class. And so, <laughs> but again, it is a constant battle. And when we go visit other classrooms, we're like, how are you getting your teams to engage? And I think it's just empowering those kids to use their voice, especially mm-hmm. kids that have never used their voice before, like making sure like, oh, I really like, I really like what you said. Can you share that with your team? Or, hey, mm-hmm. when we pause, can you share that with the whole class? And they just kind of light up like, wow, I was right. And so, but again, that consistency every single day of reflecting on what does make a good teammate. I like that. I like that idea that it takes time and it takes Mm -hmm. consistency. Mm -hmm. And I always remind myself that, you know, we're working with beings who have incomplete brains and we have to tell them things more than one time (laughs) over and over and over again for them to really take it in and understand it. Yes. We have to realize it's all new. We have to foster that environment of that, of those collaborative teams, the kids at first, six years ago, weren't used to it, but now they're used to it. But again, it's just, what does your classroom look like? How does it feel? How does it sound? How does it look? And just making sure that we give credit where credit is due in those conversations Mm -hmm. and pausing and reflecting. And we always talk about those participation quizzes and writing those good things on the board. I think that's super important for the kids to see and to hear. Yeah. At your school, do your students come from a, a CPM middle school or they just start CPM with you? They don't. Uh, They use CMP3 in our middle school. So very similar. So they do know about collaborative teams, but we really hit it harder at the high school level of what that teams mean. Yeah. What would you say is the hardest part of CPM even still? Honestly, sometimes it's trying to figure out where is this going? (laughs) You know, I don't, I've never taught integrated three. My teaching partner has taught all the integrated courses, which is nice. But sometimes as you're doing the problems, and we still do the problems every single time Mm -hmm. when we're planning for our productive struggle and we're working out the problems now that it's a lot faster. (laughs) But I would say sometimes you forget, like, where is this going? Why are they doing it this way? And I remember like an integrated two when we're talking about completing the square. And I'm like, why are they doing it like this? It doesn't even make sense. But then you're like, Oh, it it you make it makes sense and you see where it's going. Mm. And I would say that's the best advice I would give to somebody new. Trust the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Trust where it's going. Trust that it's very sequential and ask for help when you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Don't teach the way you learned it. Mm-hmm. Teach the way CPM wants you to teach it, but again, it's taking those risks and asking someone. You know, as a special ed teacher, I I don't have a ma- I didn't have a math background. So I constantly had to ask, how do you do this? What does this mean? Mm -hmm. And that's great for our co-teaching partnership because when we are planning for productive struggle, we can assess that prior knowledge. We can, you know, come up with those pocket questions of like, okay, here's where our kids are going to struggle. Yeah. I think that is one of the hardest things for teachers sometimes is particularly if they have a math degree to to look at things a different way sometimes because Mm -hmm. the way that I'm going to speak for myself. I mean, the way I learned it is the way it makes sense to me sometimes, and or not, (laughs) it turns out. And but then to let to be able to say, oh, there's a different way of doing it, or there's another way of doing it, or alternate ways. When when we were really taught, this is the way often, Mm -hmm. and that that can be really challenging to sort of let go a little bit of that my own ego about it or my own understanding, and to be able to look at how someone else especially someone who's much younger than me, is understanding it and making sense Mm -hmm. of it, which is a really great thing, I think, too. 
I always call it check your ego at the door. (laughs) You know, we have to remind ourselves that, like you said, we learned in a very different way. And when we're the master of something, like if you're the master of math, Mm. you think your way is the best way. And it's like, nope, check your ego. (laughs) We have to redo things. Well, and, and the phenomenon that, right, as we master something, we forget what it's like to be a learner Mm -hmm. is very true. We really do. We forget what it was like to struggle with it, to not quite understand it, how we learned something. Yeah. I went through this slight sidestep. I was learning the bass for a while, like about five years ago. And it was fascinating to me because I was really thinking about how I was learning so much. And it translated to what I was doing in my classroom, you know, thinking about that's where my kids were with math and how they make sense of things. But we forget all of that. Yeah. I know. It is. It's so hard to forget, especially as we're doing things. We're like, oh, we're just, you know, we're just doing what we think is best. And I think it's changing our mindset of, no, it's not, it's not about us. It's about them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest shifts too in teaching CPM that we've had to make. We, you know, we held on to what we thought was the right way Mm -hmm. for so many years and we never really had research to prove what we thought we were doing was the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And now we think it's the right yeah. way. I mean, there's research behind yeah. this collaborative yeah. team. Yes. Well, it, and and we will continue to keep shifting and changing it as we exactly. learn more about what works better. Yeah. And it's the whole mastery over time. I, you know, when I first heard that with CPM, I'm like, it doesn't even make sense. What, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And as we're doing exponentials, I'm like, oh my God, it makes better sense to me now doing it for the fifth time or the, you know, Mm -hmm. the 10th time. And so as the kids progress through the integrated series, they're like, oh yeah, we did this an integrated one. I'm like, yeah, we did. We touched on it. (laughs) And so I think that's one of the biggest pros of CPM too, is is trusting that curriculum. Like Mm -hmm. it it is all about the mastery over time. Yeah. 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 That was the advice given to me when my school implemented CPM was just trust it. You might not get it right this first year, mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. trust it. And that was really good advice. Yeah. We have five new math teachers this year and we train them this summer. I'm like, just, just trust it. When you think you're like, no, 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 this is, I, I don't understand it. Come and watch the lesson, ask for help mm-hmm. and don't do it your way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, get, let go of those preconceptions of what you used to do or how you learned it. And they've really embraced that which has been, we're so excited. Yeah. That's so great that they have that support to do that. Well, Mindy, we're going to wrap up. So I think you have to be somewhere perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do a little teaching <laughs> so- today. <laughs> <laughs> we sure appreciate yeah, you being you. here today and spending time with us and, and sharing your enthusiasm and your experience. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's really lovely. And your co-teaching situation sounds really amazing. So We are so excited. We, I mean, I've been co-teaching for 19 years, but co-teaching in a math classroom is very different than co-teaching. I used to co-teach in English. And so Uh, we are having a great time. We learn something new every day and we are seeing the success with our students, which is the most amazing part of it. Well, thank you so much and have a great rest of your year. Have a good day. Mindy Carp, she's got so much enthusiasm. <laughs> so much enthusiasm and energy. She was, she was hyping me up. I was getting I know, ready. I'm like ready to go. I want to get back in the classroom. I want to do all the yep. things. Yeah. There were great. Oh, so many things that stuck with me. I loved how she said CPM classrooms are noisy. Yes. That is one of the things I think that is, and that was the thing that was challenging for me even at times. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, this is too much noise. 
right? Like it's got to like, who I can't think. So mm-hmm. we got to bring it down a notch. <laughs> but I think that's, that is one of the things that teachers got to get used to. Like if kids are talking, absolutely, they're going to be talking and it's going to be noisy and it's going to seem chaotic. Walk around and listen to what they're talking about. Yep. And I loved her too, how she said, whether they were on task or off task, it didn't matter. Like there's this bit of, I think that's true. Like we have to let kids be a little bit off task because even adults, if you asked adults to work for 10 minutes, they're going to spend some portion of that time BSing about whatever else. And then they're going to, oh, we need to get, we need to get this thing done. Right. That's right. And I think that's important for kids that, you know, that's, we only ever say they're supposed to talk about math and they don't talk about anything else. They're not going to talk that much. Well, it's just how else are you going to get your teams and, and your culture of the classroom to be right. inclusive and communicate with each other? Mm-hmm. And the idea that if we're sitting here talking and I have some thought that's off, oh, wait, don't tell these things, blah, 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 <laughs> like that I would, that I have to not. That's, yeah. I mean, that's just mean. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit of, Cruel. yes, right? We have to like Cruelty. let people do that, but we all, and then we have to help kids learn how to focus, right? Help them yeah. learn how to navigate and manage those two things. And, and that's, that's a learning process for sure. When she was talking about the noisy classroom, I remember having conversations with my principal actually about this because mm-hmm. he would bring guests sometimes to, into mm-hmm. the classrooms. And I said, it's going to look kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just go with it. And the same thing you said, listen to what they're saying. Right. Because yeah. you'll be amazed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I also, the other thing, my favorite, one of my favorite things she said was about asking questions mm-hmm. and not being afraid to ask for that help and that support, right? I don't understand why this is going this way. I don't yeah. understand where this is going or why are they doing it this way or whatever, to ask those questions. Shout out for course chats. That is one of yes. the reasons they're there, right? <laughs> is to help people understand Absolutely. those things. And I loved how she's like, it's the fifth time I've done it and we still do the problems. Yeah, It, takes, it doesn't take as long. It's good. But to remind yourself about where and why things are going, where they're going, it, it takes that time. And and I think those having that ability to just say, hmm, I don't quite get this. I'm going to ask someone who has more information, mm-hmm. has more knowledge. Yep. Um, it's a good model for kids and it's a good thing for adults to keep, keep doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And it sounds like at that school that they have support there with each other. Mm-hmm. But like you said, shout out to Course Chats. Yes, please. Call, call your... Your region people. Uh, yeah, that's what we do there. Somebody that can help. Look at the math and yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Everybody should have some kind of a person that is connected to their school. And if not, find your regional professional learning coordinator and send them. Yeah. We'll connect you with somebody. So yeah, lots of it's you can't you you can't do it alone. You mm-hmm. are doing it alone, but you can't do it alone. I remember the the teacher that I was teaching with. Mm-hmm. I our rooms were almost connected. Like there wasn't a door. It was more like a pod sort of thing. Yeah. And that first year, I think I probably, to get 10,000 steps was easy because I kept <laughs> just running into that room going, oh my gosh, look at this. Oh my gosh, look at this. What do you think? It's awesome. What should we do? <laughs> oh, that's so great. My name is Ashley Boyd, and I am a middle school teacher from Olive Branch, Mississippi. One of my favorite strategies to use with my students is hot seat. At the end of a chapter, when we are closing out, I'll use the closure problems as well as any extra problems that I have formatively assessed throughout the chapter that they need a little extra practice on. I'll add those in there as well, and I'll use those problems to conduct hot seat. 
And on the day of hot seat, each team must bring one chair to the front of the classroom to be the hot seat. And for each round, one team member must sit in the hot seat while the other team members remain at the team. So I will display a problem on the board and the student in the hot seat must work on the problem independently while the team is allowed to work collaboratively. As the teacher, I am able to support those students in the hot seat. I can ask questions. I can check on individual progress. I can just provide that support right in that moment while the teams are also getting support from their team members as they are working. When the round is over, if the hot seat team member got the correct answer, they receive two points for their team. Then if the team also gets the correct answer, they get an additional point for their team. So three points per round. And then the next round begins and the hot seat rotates to a new team member. And then we continue playing that way until everyone has been in the hot seat a few times. Teams have had time to work together. And at the end, we tally the points. We make sure that we attend to precision when we're tallying points. And we have a lot of fun. It's a great way to review. I'm able to see all of my students work on skills as well as they have support from their team members. It's one of my favorite games to play with my students and they really enjoy it too. If you have not tried hot seat, I highly recommend giving it a try. For more information and to stay connected with CPM happenings, you can find CPM on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our intro music is one of the very talented contributions that you can find on pixabay.com. Thank you, Julius H., for your creation. Join us for the next episode of More Math for More People. What day will that be, Joel? It'll be February 8th, and it's National Kite Flying Day. And when I think of kite flying, I, of course, go straight to that famous electricity experiment of Ben Franklin's when he was flying that kite in the key. When I was growing up, we had a gigantic pyramid kite that we hung from the ceiling, and I had always wanted to take it out as a kid, but it was just kind of too heavy, too bulky. And then one day, we actually got to go take that out and see what that was like to fly, and that was really cool. I've always been fascinated by kites, played with them, and of course, just talking about kites right now kind of makes